I think that, that's where the sport needs to go a little bit too, instead of these longer, you know, 200 kilometre plus stages. To throw in, uh, I think, the odd shorter stage where where the riders can can race the whole distance full, you know, full ball. Hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about, whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around. Sit down and listen in, because we're about to begin. I got something to say, man. Yo, welcome to episode 39 of the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a semi-pro cyclist rides for love and not money. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who's talking about stage lengths. Hey there, semi-pros. My name is Damien Roos. I'm the founder of Semi-Pro Cycling, home of the Semi-Pro Cyclist. And this week, again, I want to start with some reviews. They're coming in thick and fast, and it really means the world to me. It's humbling that people take the time out to do this. So thank you very much to everybody. So let me just start with number one, a must-listen for every Semi-Pro Cyclist. Damien was born to do this. The podcast is structured well with a good mix of entertainment and useful knowledge sharing, loving every minute of each episode. Mr. M. Stein 99, wow, thank you very much. I'm sorry it took me this long to get to your review, but... I was born to do this. That is a big compliment. Thank you very much. Second one, get stoked from King or CIA FBI Cool. This is the best podcast for anyone from juniors, beginners, or even Cat 1 races. I really like the setup and information about recent races. It is awesome because you can't find many of the pro races, even legendary classics, on TV in the States. I'm a junior That is just starting out racing and riding for real. And sometimes I feel like there aren't any people with the enthusiasm for the greatest sport on the face of the earth. However, I am reassured that this is complete bogus when I listen to this podcast. Really great podcast and cycling community. I hope that this podcast will help me graduate to pro racing in Europe. The only downside is that semi-pro won't apply to me anymore. I don't think there is a law for pros listening to it. So you have got a lifetime listener. Keep it up. That is a really long and detailed review. Thank you very much. Number three and the final one, semi-pro cycling review by Two Wheel 278. Absolutely the best cycling podcast available. I spend a lot of time in my car for work and your podcasts are constantly playing. I go back and listen to them multiple times to get every ounce of information about them. You totally deliver the cycling goods. Keep up the great work and God bless. Thank you very much for that review. And like I said before, They really are humbling, and I know I ask for them, but to actually get them and the words that people write really means a lot to me and keeps me strong and keeps me going. So if you want to write a review because you like the show, just head on over to iTunes. Thank you very much. So the news this week, and of course I've got to start with Paris-Roubaix. i got to say I loved this year's race. In comparison to last year where I was just confused at Boonen going so early, this year it was not decided until the last 50 metres and I honestly thought that Cancellara might not have it and I gotta say I was super happy when he actually won. The reason I was happy is because it's one thing to come away as a non-favourite and win but to go into the race as the absolute favourite, have a couple of Silly mistakes in the way that he let the bunch split a few times. He had to attack on his own and burn matches to get back to them. And then he even tried attacking towards the end again and it didn't play off. So to finally come through and sprint for the win, 
I am stoked for Cancellara, and doing the double is such a huge feat. He really shows the class rider that he is, and I don't care if he doesn't pop up in any other races for the rest of the year. Job well done, Cancellara. Job well done. And speaking of things that are a little closer to home to everybody listening, well, most people listening, is the countdown for the Tour of Battenkill. It's nearly here, a couple of days away. Maybe you're even traveling to the race listening to this. There's going to be over 3,500 riders that will descend on Cambridge in New York for this tour. It is, I would say, America's premier stage race for the semi-pro and it will be bustling this year. I know there's a few teams that I'm in contact with that are heading there. So good luck, everybody that's racing. And I'd love to see some photos on Instagram of how the whole thing goes down because it sounds like one hell of a production and a lot of fun getting in amongst it and ripping it up just like the pros. The last bit of news I have is in relation to a new bike company. Well, not necessarily a brand new bike company, but a new bike, a new cyclocross bike that is being released by a company called Asylum Cycles. If anybody out there is looking for a new carbon cyclocross bike with disc brakes, the company is from Portland, Oregon. There's some stellar talent putting this bike together. And if you are interested, you can head over to crowd supply i have the link in the show notes it is a crowdfunding site and if successful which they want to raise forty thousand dollars which what i believe is minimum order from the factories if they are successful the bike is scheduled for release in october so right when the action starts to heat up in the usa scene they are cheap but they are solid bikes that are being put together by people that know what they're doing. And I'm definitely rooting for this to cross the line and get funded. And we'll see what happens when people start getting on these bikes and ripping it up. Alrighty, now let's get to the nuts and bolts. And this week I want to talk about how to get and keep cycling sponsorship. It is pretty important when you are a semi-pro. And I did touch on this a couple of weeks back in regards to teams, but it really raised the importance of sponsorship and how difficult it is to get sponsorship. When I started going through the process recently with another team, not personally for myself, but for another team helping them and trying to put something together in a process to target the best sponsors possible really is a detailed process. So i I'm going through today with something that I call the Cycling Sponsorship Playbook, which is six steps of how to plan and target and approach any potential sponsors and doing it the best way possible so you're not wasting their time and you're not wasting your time. A couple of caveats when it comes to this stuff, though. I personally don't think sponsorship is all it's cracked up to be, especially if you can support yourself and your riding, because the extra pressure that it places on you can really be the straw that breaks the camel's back. It can really be just one more thing that makes cycling more like a job and less like the fun activity that it started out to be. Now, this definitely is the case with people like me that are doing it as a pursuit outside of any other employment that we may have. And there are espoirs that will be approaching it in a different way using cycling as a career. I think that this information works for everybody that is interested in getting a sponsor because it's not all about winning. It can be about 
the best way that you represent a brand and as long as you are satisfying the goals that they have, then you can be doing a great job for that sponsor. So I've put together the Cycling Sponsorship Playbook with information from two sources that are invaluable when it came to me finding some information that could help me get this together. The first one is from Scott Zagarino and he wrote a quick and easy book that covers sponsorship and I've got a link to it in the show notes. And the other one is Al Brody from SponsorMyCyclingClub.com. It is an excellent resource. The website itself has stopped a couple of years ago, but there is still a ton of useful information on there. Their information has heavily influenced everything that I've written down here. So I want to give full credit to them. Let's get on with it. And step number one, you. Okay, it's the most important thing in this equation when it comes to Why do you want a sponsor? Be honest with yourself about your abilities and your intentions because no one wants to see the whole thing fall down because you are lying to yourself about your abilities and what you can give a sponsor. It's really all about being honest with the company and why they should sponsor you. If you are honest, then there is probably a company out there for you. Also, it's not all about winning, so don't be discouraged. So firstly, what do you want? And be specific here. So what equipment, travel expenses, entry fees, what is it that you want to get out of sponsorship? Once you have that, then you can start forming an idea of where the gaps are. What I mean by this is you have current sponsors and you put some money in and then figuring out what you need to get where you want to be, there's going to be a gap. That gap is going to get filled up with sponsors having an idea of a number or a target before you even start approaching people, that is going to help you hone down and really stay true to exactly what you're asking for. The third part about you is what can you do for a sponsor if they sign you? And here, I'm not talking about your writing. I'm talking about your skills outside of writing. And to give you three cycling-specific examples, but you can definitely stretch this a little further If we're talking about someone that's a bike mechanic, you can do demonstration nights. If you're a coach, then you can do training information nights. If you're a rider, you can lead local rides or do skills sessions. So this is another element that you can add into your portfolio when it comes to approaching sponsors. And I've got to say, this is really valuable and being able to speak to other riders and show them and demonstrate the products that you're using, companies will really value this. Step two, sponsors. So the actual companies, how do you find them and what do you look for? Now that you've got your why, you've got your what you want, you've got your what you can offer, it's now time to look for targeted sponsors that you can add value to and can supply you with what you want. And I want you to take notice of the order that I put those two things. First, Look for companies that you can help them solve or fix a problem, then look to address your needs. Second, this is the most important thing because this relationship is going to be built on their bottom line and their goals. So what you can do from them, and then you can try and get something out of the relationship for yourself. So making a target list is what we're going to do as step number two. We're going to do this to determine which companies you want to target for sponsorship and why they would be a good addition to your sponsorship portfolio. Do they currently sponsor any organizations? Could your team be able to lend value to their business? These are the things that you need to start thinking about when you are looking at these potential companies. Also, Keep these three rules in mind when looking to add a company. Companies, sponsor, 
either to make money, save money, or create a specific image. So if you have a picture of what they're actually doing in their marketing or sales efforts, and you can identify which one of these three they're actually doing, this will go a long way in helping you put yourself in the picture to move them forward. Okay, I will get to a bit more of that in a moment, but where do you look for these actual sponsors? Firstly, the two types of sponsors that you're looking for, general for cash and in the cycling vertical for products. And so the places that you're going to be wanting looking are media. You want to start with media where there's magazine advertisers, website advertisers. These are the people that are already in the game spending money on promotion and trying to get people to buy their products. Other ideas are products that sell well in local bike shops. This can make it easier to hit up a distributor because the product is already highly popular in your area and so it's not a very hard sell. Also look around other teams, even different disciplines or even different sports because we're talking healthy life here and this can be packaged up and sold or other riders' sponsors that you know of and try and look at alternatives to those that you can start approaching. Once you start getting an idea of these companies, you want to record the information and you want to put it all down so it's in front of you and you know what the next step is. So creating a data sheet which has the email of decision makers, real decision makers, the ones that will say yes and it will stick. They're the ones you want to find. You can find emails to these top players through, there's an email permulator that you can get a breakdown of every combination of email that is possible. If you whip this into Gmail and use an app called Reportive, which was actually bought by LinkedIn, you'll be scouring LinkedIn emails to find out the exact personal email address for the people and companies that you're looking at. Also, marketing goals, current and past campaigns will give you a very good idea if you can slot into any of these and help them along. Accomplishments, if a company has made a big accomplishment or they have a shift in management or direction, this is an opportunity to slot yourself in there when it's fresh and the door may be half open because they're looking for opportunities and so that's when you get in. Record down all their social media accounts. This is going to be a way to make the initial contact. Write a brief synopsis of where the business is today and where they are headed so you can have a picture in your mind before any interview that you know exactly where they are, what you can offer them, and you can help them get where they're going. So once all the data is on the sheet about the companies, you want to rank them, and you're going to rank them as far as your A, B, and C. Basically like A, B, and C races throughout your season, you want to go for the small guys first and work your way up to the big guys when you're honing the actual pitch that you're doing, and so it's not jeopardizing your chances on the first and second time out. What are you looking for when you're going to actually rank? It's starting with things like, what do you know about the company, brand, and products? Because the more familiar you are with these things, the better a head start you have and a better understanding you have when you step in and actually start talking to these people. Who do you know? Is there any relationships that can be cultivated through a referral? Can you leverage relationships you have now? If you don't have these relationships or you don't know anyone, you can get a head start on this by using LinkedIn and or Facebook profiles and adding every single cycling-related person that you meet or you would like to meet. And at least then you have some familiarity over a platform 
you've been filtered out of the total population into someone that likes cycling, and that can give you a bit of an edge when you start contacting people. Also think about where the company is headquartered and where they make the sponsorship decisions because you are going to have to have face-to-face meetings at some point and you don't want to be traveling by plane just for some bike tubes. Also, could the company be a good potential sponsor based upon their business goals, directions, and objectives? Is there potential overlap with the company and you, your team, or event? For me, this comes down to aligning values. Of course, this whole approach is company-focused, so you're going to present yourself in a way that aligns with their values, but there is a moral stance that you can take on this as well, and do they align with what you believe in? You can sell out for the dollar. I've got no problem with you doing that, but as far as if there is something that you will not take money for, then this could be a deal-breaker when it comes to deciding whether to approach this company or not. Now, moving into step three, and this is the heart of the entire approach where you're going to have to spend most of your time once you've got the companies you're going to approach down. And it's all about demonstrating value. So what's in it for the sponsor? And really, there is no better way to demonstrate value than by solving a specific problem. So what am I talking about when I'm talking problems. I'm talking about increasing visibility and awareness or increasing sales and market share, etc., etc. You'll have a clear understanding of this, hopefully, if you've been able to break down their marketing goals and past and present campaigns. And then you can flip this around and asking, how can I increase their visibility and awareness? And so once you start thinking about how you can actually do this, that's the time when you need to come up with ways to add value. And being creative and standing out is how you're going to do it here. And I've got to say, I am not really breaking this down. So I don't feel this is ultra helpful for you. But if you can get the concept into your mind that what they're looking for is a way to do something specific and your all you are going to do is be employed to help them get there. So how can you do it? There are lots and lots of examples here, but I'm not going to go into it. The only thing that I will say is how do you get a sponsor? You be an inspirational individual that can sell a brand in a memorable way. I'll say that again because I feel it's really important to get this idea. Be an inspirational individual that can sell a brand in a memorable way. Once you've found out how to do that, then it's just a matter of contacting them and starting to sell that solution to their problem. So step four is contact. And the way you want to contact them, you want to develop an elevator pitch for your team to be used in social media, email, or an introductory letter. The elevator pitch is just a condensed version of who you are, what you can do for them, and what is your call to action or what next step they should take. You're really going to focus on the why and the how of sponsorship and how it'll help them achieve their goals and objectives and point out why cycling, you, your team, or your event is the perfect vehicle to help them. This is going to take a bit of selling yourself, but if you've gone through the steps, you will believe in yourself, your ability, and what they're selling and how you can help them sell it. From here, it's time to use this initial contact as a springboard to additional discussions, and this is when you send in your proposal. So step five, the proposal. And I have some guidelines in regards to the proposal, but essentially the proposal should be personalized. 
Everything should be correct. It should be addressed to the right people with the right titles, with the right spelling. It should focus on the company and the value that you offer to them. It should show an understanding of the company and reference relevant information that's important to them and it's going to get them excited about what you can do for them. The differentiation that I was talking about, being creative, having something to offer them that is different from the norm but is of great value is going to be the thing that gets their imaginations sparked and they're going to want to follow through and have a meeting with you because you're an exciting prospect. You're exciting. You would be fun to work with. You have great ideas and you're going to do great business for them. So how do you write the proposal? Start with a value statement. So the value statement is a slightly more formal version of the elevator pitch, but essentially the same. So once you have an elevator pitch, just tweak it so the obvious value for them is upfront, but all the other information is in there as well. I do have a list of what should be in a proposal, and I'm not going to go through it now because it is quite detailed. Additionally, though, to the proposal, you can have a designated URL that can help reinforce the proposal, and that can then be part of your online presence that you can sell as a value add, put a business card and attach it to the proposal to show that you're serious and professional. Don't send in blind submissions. I, It's not going to go anywhere and you're just crossing your fingers and hoping and that is not a strategy. FedEx for the companies that you believe you have a better chance. So your A companies, send it in a FedEx or couriered envelope so that it's important and it gets opened. Now, step five, formal meetings. I think they deserve a whole step because if you haven't done them or you don't do them as part of your work or you're not prepared for them, then they can be quite daunting. There's a technique called the briefcase technique, which I've got a link to a video explaining it in the show notes. And what it is basically is having done all of the research so you know the company inside out, plus you have your proposal there and the way that you present your proposal before you ask for any money gets them so excited about the prospect of working with you because your ideas are targeted and they will work in the business that they're dealing with. So check that video out to help you prepare for interviews and conduct interviews. Also, you want to know your business. So you want to know the history of your discipline and and the current state of the sport locally and internationally. If a company that you sit down with knows more than you, then you're in trouble. Okay, maybe they're a sport company or a cycling company, so they do know a lot about it. But do they know specifically about what you're dealing with, the challenges that you're faced with, and the industry and market that they're stepping into? Because this is a business transaction, and they want someone that knows this stuff inside out so that can help them target an audience better. Also, if you are going to follow up, make sure it's a phone call. Emails are useless in this situation. You want to talk to somebody and get their reaction. If you are successful, congratulations. If you're not, then you need to talk about the modifications, the reasons. You need to get as much information from the people as possible so that you can adjust it for the next person that you're going to apply to. If you're knocked back, why not just ask for a little less? Why not change the actual agreement or what you're requesting and just bump it down a bit? Because this can then build to the next level and potentially the next year the relationship gets better and you can ask for more for the following season. Step six, the final step is to deliver. And when I say the final step, I don't mean this means it's all over. It's the end of the road. What I mean by this is 
follow through once the gear or money arrives. Because remember, this is just the beginning of your professional relationship. Up until this point, you haven't had a transaction take place. And so everything up until this point hasn't really mattered to them. But now this is when it's on the line. And this is when repeat sponsorship and forming relationships that you can leverage into bigger sponsors, whether it's with the same company or other companies, is really, really important. So make sure that you maintain constant contact, updates after each major competition. How you supported their message and got their message out is the number one thing that you should report back. And then the second thing is your results and achievements. Because the results and achievements, yeah, like I said, they're not necessarily the first thing. It's going to be what you did to help them sell or whatever it is. Other ones that are pretty much given these days, if you are a team or a semi-pro, is social media and blogging. Having a presence and having an audience is going to be a really good way to leverage and get your message out. Also, as a bonus tip here, organize B2B get-togethers. So get all of your sponsors together and see if they can do business together. Because as soon as wholesale deals get struck up, it means that they have sold more and you've done your job. So leveraging that is one good way to ensure that you're delivering on your promise. So as a conclusion, all I want to say is that this process takes time. It is a process that involves relationships, money, heavy things that relate to business transactions. And one thing that you must keep in mind when it comes to dealing with people and getting them to give you things, first, they have to know you. Second, they have to like you. And third, they have to trust you. So this process does take time. And if you're asking for a lot initially, and someone doesn't know you, it's not going to work. So that's it. Yes, it is very complicated, and the steps involved will take time, but I believe that it is totally worth doing, and it will benefit the team and yourself and the company. And if everything is working perfectly, then it is a relationship that can be built on year after year. I want to make one quick note here. I'm offering this as a service to deliver a detailed report outlining at least five immediately actionable sponsorship opportunities to secure more sponsors for you. You can check this out at semiprocycling.com forward slash cycling sponsorship management. So moving right along now to the tech hacks and products section, motivational reminders in the middle of races or when you know that you'll need a boost. I stole this idea from Kristen Diffenbach, PhD. I listened to this podcast interview that she did and she had some great ideas for ways to inspire you or give you that little bump of motivation or a little boost in the middle of a race or when you're finding it really hard. So examples, put a string around your wrist that reminds you of someone specific that you're doing the race for or get a picture of your family or your partner or someone that will help you get more out of yourself when you're finding that you're dipping. So putting that in your pocket and just knowing it's there gives you that little boost and that little edge when it comes to finding the extra energy to go harder in the middle of a race. Also other ideas that she has, getting people to stand somewhere strategically on a course to give you that extra boost. So whether they're kids a partner or a coach, whoever is going to get the best result for you by yelling and screaming your name when you come past, figuring out where you need the help, who can help you, can give you the extra help you need to get over the line just when you need it. Now, that quote from the top of the show, did you guess it? It's Mick Rogers. 
talking about the 2011 tour here, and I really agree with him. A bit of variety in stage racing would make for condensed racing over shorter distances. It would really just be the same guys at the front, but the spectators would be getting a better show, much like women's cycling. As for Mick, we really haven't seen him much this year. He made the change to ride with Contador, and now that he is riding for Contador, I'm sure if he's in the Giro team, he will be up the front belting it out, and it will be very interesting to watch as he is a former top domestic of Team Sky, and he will be wheel-to-wheel with Richie Port ripping it over those Italian climbs. But that's all I've got for this week. So till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into. (laughs) 